Ryan, Tony, and Crystal. We can't guarantee that you're gonna look great, but if you wanna stay in shape, well you better hit the chinwits, chinwits. That's right, man. Welcome to the Gym Wits Podcast. I'm Ryan George. I'm Justin Guild, aka Chef Sonic. And I'm Tony Marinucci, aka Tips with Tony. And we are the Gym Wits. So I saw, I saw, have you guys been watching anything uh, Netflix interesting? Any good movies? All or American. It's huh? very good. I'm addicted. Never heard of it. It's, um, it's like a, it's turning into a soap opera. It's getting a little bit out of hand, but it's basically based off of a true story of um, a high school football player who grows up in um, like kind of like the ghetto of LA and then ends up going to Beverly and, you know. Just it's like all about like rich versus poor, black versus white. It's it's really, 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 really good. Um, so I'm almost done. I'm on season two. I'm towards like the last few episodes. Yeah, have you watched anything, Justin? Uh, not too much. I finally uh, got around to, to watching the show Shameless. I've been enjoying okay. it. I Shameless don't watch is too much television. So it's, uh, Shameless is really good. It gets it. it it's it. it it's like every season gets a little too over the, a little more over the top. Yeah. And then yeah. it just kind of mm-hmm. got to the point where it's like, all right, I'm good. You know, I don't like, know if I'm going to be able to get through all 10 seasons. So. Yeah. It's a funny, lot. funny fact. I, for, I heard about shameless like a while ago when it like first come out and, you know, so I thought I'd give it a try. So like for a few episodes, I like, I gave it a shot and I remember saying to my friend and I was like, it's okay. And then I like described one of the girls having like blonde hair and he's like, no, she has brown hair. And I, then we realized that I was watching the UK version, Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> which isn't as good. So if yeah. you're going to watch Shameless, I think the American version. Yeah. No, it's, it's good. It, and it's just like some, the characters get so kind of like just bad that, but it's, it's, it is a good show. Like the, the first few seasons are pretty good, but um, I watched, uh, I've, been wa- I've been watching a lot of stuff, but um, so a good movie that's on Netflix called The Florida Project, which is kind of like an indie movie that I would recommend uh, if anyone, you know, if you have a couple hours, uh, it, it, it's like a, it's it's not it's not really a story it's just a woman that lives in like with her kid um it's kind of a, a mess like kind of a you know uh, it seems like she's probably in and out of jail and and has these kids that kind of run all over the place and um it's it's kind of sad william it's weird because it's like this weird indie flick with like no names and then like william defoe is like there and i think he was nominated for an oscar uh for it. but it's just really good you know, kind of sad movie, but the, the performances are these kids and the kids are so good, like really, really good performances by these kids that can't be more than like, you know, I don't know, seven or eight years old. Um, mm. I did watch Community, which um, is finally on Netflix, which is great. Um, I'm mad I never watched it before. Um, There's really fun like sitcom that was um, on, I guess, I think it was on NBC, um, just about these people in community college, but it's got by the same guy that did um, Rick and Morty. So it's just got kind of irreverent and crazy and all over the place, um, but really good. And we started watching It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which I'm not sure what? if I like yet. You've never, you've never, never saw it. What? I'm not sure if I like it. <laughs> what? I feel it's like- a, one of those, there's certain shows that like, it's like I actually, um, The Office is a show that like I love, but it took me a little bit to yeah. get there. It's always Sunny, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, I think is the same thing. Like you kind of have to get to know the characters. Yeah. And so, then once you do, and it's like, there's like, it's like a dry humor. So hilarious. Yeah. Like it depends on your, the type Here's of humor the thing, you're looking for. With, with it's, it's always sunny. I think it's, it's funny. Uh, there, I have two thoughts. One is, it, I think if I was like 25, I would have thought it was like the funniest, you know, you're, most, you're, you're, you know, you're too, it's, you're 100% what, correct. Two, you're two parts. For the game. I think if I was 25 and, yeah, and it was like it. for its time, <laughs> exactly. Like, I, you know, I would have thought, okay, this is like the funniest, most, you know, they're really taking chances. It's, it's ridiculous. But I think part of it said I'm a little bit older, um, but I, not, but that's not fully the case. Cause I totally love shows that, that do take chances. But I think that there's just in the time since, I think comedy um, on TV has evolved so much that yes. there's so many great shows like like what we do in the shadows. I don't know if you have guys watched that, but it's just so it's it's got that same ridiculousness, but it's just so good. Your shows like Atlanta, even like before you know all this stuff. Louis, as bad of a person as he might be, Louis is is a, one of the best comedies ever. You know, curb your enthusiasm. So I, I feel like comedy yeah. has evolved so much that. You know, if I yeah, yeah if I'd watched it, when it, it came at the out, wrong time exactly, and also time. I think I feel like you know I compare it's like similar. I know that there are comparisons to Seinfeld where you have like you know it's like they're just horrible people. Like there's no redeeming qualities. Like even Seinfeld, like as funny as it was, like um, they're not 
good people. And the same thing with always, with it's always sunny. Like these are awful people, but like there's for me like you know there's nothing redeeming. I just hate all of them. And so that's like, the point. I, yeah, I, but I get that that's the point. But like even with Seinfeld, like as bad as they were like you still that you wanted to watch them where i just i have a hard time and maybe you know and and don't get me wrong like there there are some funny moments there's some there are a couple episodes that are that are fantastic and great but i think that the the it's those are few and far between for me you caught it at the wrong time yeah Yeah, it's the sort of thing you needed to watch when there wasn't anything else like it and you're younger and more sophomoric in your humor exactly yeah so sorry. And not that I'm not so far in my humor. It's yeah, just that you it's, missed it, the boat. You missed I'm, the boat. I think sorry. I missed the boat. So like we're, we're you know we're watching it, but then like you what like compared to Community, which is like obviously it's a, a network show, so it's a lot more sanitized. But I just feel like it's much, you know, I guess smarter. And so I kind of watching it at the same time where I think Community, you know, hit me at a better spot than like It's Always Sunny. Which yeah, like yeah. I said, if I was 25, I probably would have thought it's yeah. it was the, the 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 best funniest you know. Oh, and it was. It was. Sorry. You're just going to have to deal with that. You know, I did see, I saw a movie. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen it. It was called Border. It's a Swedish no. film. Uh, I think it's on Netflix. And um, it's it's pretty cool. Like, it's, um, you guys should watch that movie. It's, uh, it goes in directions that you would not expect. So I very much so enjoyed watching that that film, mm-hmm. Border. Border, interesting. Okay, yeah, no, yeah. I watched. Yeah, I watched another show on Netflix, The Stranger, which is a British like kind of thriller. You've been wanting to do a remake of The Stranger for a mysterious the, stranger. The mysterious stranger, yeah. Mysterious stranger yeah, yeah. Movie. When I when I get rich, we're we're do we're gonna do we're gonna produce a remake. We're gonna not a remake. We're just gonna produce The Mysterious Stranger, possibly That's as a musical. <laughs> but, all right, yeah. I like it. All right, so we gotta get we gotta we gotta make 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 that money. Um. Anyway, Anyhow, I, so. Like you always, the I, I think that um, you always think that of talking about the weather as small talk, as not substantive. It's sort of the thing. It's like, oh, so how's the weather outside? And people are like, you know, rolling their eyes. It's like, oh, you have nothing better to talk about than the weather. But um, we find out that it's actually a lot more interesting than you might think. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so yeah, we have an interview, uh, and it's really, really fun, wide-ranging interview. Um, and it's first one we've done since we've been back, and it was really, really good. I think we we kind of said we were going to kind of limit the interviews to to people that you know we really, really want to talk to, and and topics that we really want to you know go over. And and this one definitely was really good, kind of knocked out of the park for us. So um, without further ado, here is our interview with uh, Sherry Pugh. Hey, everyone. We are here with Sherry Pugh. Hey, Sherry. How's everything? Doing well. How about yourself? Pretty good. Pretty good. Can't, can't complain. You know, we're all, uh, we're all hanging on pretty well, I guess. So uh, Sherry is a meteorologist, and she's produced weather media for over 10 years, working uh, at the Weather Channel, CNN, NBC. And last year, she moved to the West Coast and is now volunteering in fire weather at the NWCC in Portland. So we're going to find out about this whole fire weather thing, <laughs> something I had no clue about before, like eight minutes ago. So I'm looking forward to hearing about it. Um, so Sherry, one thing we always start with is if you could share kind of a little bit before we get into the episode, just your background with nutrition and fitness and, you know, maybe your exercise regimen or how health is important to you. Yeah, absolutely. And I prepared for this. I knew it was coming because <laughs> I listened to your podcast uh, previously a lot and yeah. really enjoy it. Um, yeah. And it's changed some of my habits as well. Uh, awesome. Great. Thank you so, for sharing that. My fitness uh, background really didn't start until college. I didn't do too much before then. Um, I dated someone who did Taekwondo. And as a result, I kind of got interested in maybe some martial arts or some kind of sport. And I ended up getting uh, trying kickboxing. And I was really fortunate that the place I started with kickboxing uh, was very focused on technique. So I had a really great uh, base for my education in martial arts. Uh, and from there, I was immediately hooked. Um, it's like I never knew I had legs before. I started kicking everything and my <laughs> friends and buildings and everything. I just kicked everything. Um, I stuck with it for a while, kind of in a fitness kickboxing kind of regiment and uh, continued when I moved to Atlanta to work at the Weather Channel. Uh, kept that up when I moved to New York as well. Uh, and I had, uh, I always did fitness kickboxing uh, and I decided to give a try to Muay Thai 
uh, I always thought Muay Thai was going to be too challenging, too hard, and also take up too much time. Uh, as a meteorologist, you know, I'm not eight to five with weekends and holidays off. Uh, so my time gets taken a lot. And I made that leap into uh, Muay Thai. And it was really hard, <laughs> just like I thought it would be. And it took up all my time, uh, basically, because I got so hooked to it that I wanted to do it more. So I ended up in a situation where I would take like two classes a night for at least three nights a week <laughs> and did and really loved it, enjoyed it so much. Uh, currently, I'm doing a, a kind of a kickboxing class uh, here in New York that's also a strength training, which is really interesting uh, here in Portland, I should say. It's terrific. I love it a lot. Um, and so that's kind of my fitness background. Um, some things I've learned from you guys. Um, I'm a vegetarian. And you guys mentioned in a, some previously about kind of weight loss and vegetarians taking protein. I was like, oh, protein. <laughs> so I've added protein to my breakfast oatmeal every day as a result of this podcast. Awesome. And so, and you were, you were a student at the gym that I, at, uh, that I teach at, which yes, is, which that's is how I met you. Yeah. <laughs> and I take it, your class and it's very hard. <laughs> <laughs> and it's as chaotic as, uh, as it was <laughs> or well, uh, when, when we were still open, it's <laughs> as chaotic as, as they were, but, um, but yeah, I'm glad, so glad, glad that you found, cause that's always a challenge is when people leave New York. Um, like if you're doing Muay Thai, it's, it's hard to find places that are, you know, that are good, like that, that can at least not even just match the, you know, just the, the keep you engaged. And so I'm glad you found somewhere that you're, you're happy with in, in Portland. Cause that can be a little bit of a challenge, like it depending really on where you are in the country. Challenge. Absolutely. And you, I tried several gyms to kind of find my fit. Um, that's the thing with martial arts, especially you kind of want something that, that you're happy to go to that fits your style. And that can be really challenging because there's lots of different gyms with lots yeah. of different uh, options. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's like, and that's one of the good things about training is that there are so many different things that you kind of take a little bit from, you take something from one person and then, you know, you kind of, that's part of your arsenal and then you take it somewhere else. So it's, it's always fun. Yes. Um, so life. now tell us a little bit about your kind of professional background. So I've wanted to be a meteorologist since the fifth grade. Uh, I knew at a young age <laughs> that meteorology was awesome. for me. Uh, I went to NC State in Raleigh, North Carolina and got my bachelor's of science in meteorology. Uh, from that point, I worked at a state climate office for a while doing data with them, which was a really great background in data and how you know weather towers and stations work. Uh, from there, I moved to the Weather Channel where I worked overnights weekends, <laughs> part-time uh, for a while because I wanted to make that leap into t television media. Uh, and I worked overnights for about seven or eight years uh, working for the morning TV program because you, yeah, all that prep comes before the morning show. Uh, so I had, you know, went in at 11 p.m., went in at 2 a.m. for a while, uh, for a long time. And then I moved into uh, NBC where I moved for a nightly show. And so I was able to have more of a daylight <laughs> when I was awake. Uh, that was quite a change. Uh, and then I've been doing that television media role. The weather producer's role is to make the graphics. So you'll see, you know, the cold front that's going across mm. the country kind of thing. That's me. I'm making that. As well as we're putting together stats. We're putting together forecasted bits. And we're putting together a forecast to help with that on-air talent as well. Uh, and then we decided to make the move. And we're here on the West Coast now uh, where I've done some things and, look, and spoken with the media as well. But I got really into fire weather. I was able to volunteer at the NWCC. It's kind of a Washington and Oregon uh, organization. And they help with fire resources around the region. Cool. So uh, to just to backtrack a, a little bit <laughs> is what is a meteorologist? We all think of it as, you know, layman is, oh, the person who predicts the weather on TV. But I'm sure it's not that simple. Oh, sure. It is a massive science mm. uh, with so many facets because you're talking about marine meteorology, tropical meteorology, severe uh, and tornado meteorology and for the plains of the United States and things like that. Winter weather. Uh, it is a huge facet that impacts people's everyday life. Um, it's pretty hard not to be impacted by weather. You pretty much have to live underground. <laughs> for weather to not influence your life. Um, so meteorology, uh, it actually stands for hydrometeorology. Hydro is water, and then meteor is kind of something in the air, and then ology, study of. So the idea is we're studying things in the air, uh, okay. moisture and where it's going, and well, the weather systems that come with it. Sweet. 
so what are what are some of the challenges as a meteorologist with kind of making kind of accurate predictions? Because I know you know, like there, I, I find that that thing it tends to be much more accurate than than maybe the kind of general um, conception is of it. But like, what are the challenges to to making predictions, and why do things? Why can there be situations where where there's one expectation of like you know I don't know you know torrential downpours, and then it's like a bright sunny hot day? Like how do how, what yeah just maybe you can go into that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Forecasting is quite a challenge. There is so much involved depending on what kind of weather you're talking about as well. Are we talking about snow? Are we talking about predicting the development of tornadoes? Are we talking about damaging straight line winds? Uh, Are we talking about hurricanes? And those are just the big severe things. There's also something as simple as measuring when the cloud marine layer is going to move into Portland, Oregon, and when the sun's going to come out. Uh, Small little things like that as well. There's so much that goes into it. You've got topography at the land. You've got a lot of ingredients. If you think about it, the atmosphere is kind of like an ocean. The thing above us is not just this thin little layer right here where we live. It's pretty high, and it's got a lot of weather going on. So things that happen higher up in the atmosphere can affect what's happening lower here at the surface as well. So you've got a lot to predict. It's kind of like predicting where the ocean is going to go. (laughs) So we are taking on a heck of a challenge. With your forecast models, you're trying your best to take the ingredients that you see right now, all the observations, all those weather stations, and you put it into a model that takes calculations and tries to go into the future. And those calculations, once you add in a little bit of error, you know, the temperature here wasn't quite measured correctly, or there's not enough data, teeny little errors just expand over time. So chaos is a big deal in meteorology forecasting. (laughs) That's one of the reasons why we can have a forecast that's better maybe 24 or 48 hours out Mm. as opposed to like seven days or 10 days out. Uh, And we're doing all kinds of modeling. You know, models are never perfect. They're close to perfect sometimes, and sometimes they're really, really off. So we're always looking at what kind of accuracy we can get out of them to tell the forecast story. So models are never perfect. They're never 100%. But sometimes they're going to give us some help to tell us where the forecast is going. So that's kind of the modeling world. And there's so many interesting things about modeling. There's things like ensemble modeling, where you take a whole bunch of model runs, you add little errors, and see what happens. Uh, There's things like the national blend of models, where we're blending different types of models. And there's different types of models because they're calculated different ways. Um, Some look at different physics. um, Some look at different observations that go into the model. So that's why we have all these different types of models uh, run by different countries as well. Um, And they fund them in different ways. Sometimes Mm. the model has a lot of money. Sometimes the model is free. And maybe that free model doesn't have quite the support. So there's, there's a whole science in just the forecasting. It's so funny the things that that um, either you, you take for granted or you just don't know. Like when you're like watching the the weather forecast either on a local or national news broadcast, you just never like you know that there that there's something that goes into it, but you just never like you you can't imagine all of what you just said. And I'm sure that's barely scratching the you know the surface of the iceberg. You know, are there are, are there particular parts of the country or of the world that are that are of more interest to like a meteorologist because of the variety of, of uh, you know like maybe the different variables involved in the different like like do you do you as a meteorologist do you prefer a place that has more chaos and more things or or some place that's more stable it's true it kind of depends on you know it's very opinion based i grew up in north carolina uh we had a lot of thunderstorms a lot of hurricanes mm-hmm. and here i am on the west coast where everyone doesn't really care that a new hurricane is developed but i'm <laughs> you know going crazy about it so it can be very opinion and what kind of where you grew up and that kind of thing you know new yorkers are really looking at nor'easters which are an incredible storm system that's a coastal system that is pretty unique to that area And actually, even tornadoes are kind of unique to the United States in our number of tornadoes. We have a lot of tornadoes here because we have a unique setup where we have Gulf moisture coming in at the surface. Mm -hmm. You have a different direction coming over the Rockies. And some of those come together to produce a lot of tornadoes here, Um, more than a lot of places in the rest of the world, as a matter of fact. So a lot of tornadoes occur right here. Um, and if you grew up loving Twister <laughs> or you grew up chasing those in that tornado environment, then you really have an affinity for it. 
And there's things like funny. I was just thinking of that movie. So sorry, sorry, sorry. Twister, absolutely. And then exactly Wizard of Oz as well. And and then I was going to mention that places like people think that Southern California is not interesting. Oh, it's just 72 all the time. But there's this interesting marine layer that's coming in and out and taking the sun away. There's insane Santa Ana winds that cause crazy heat changes and fire weather there as well. So you know each place is relative. So you so, mentioned fire weather. Um, so, well, Ryan, 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 hold on, Ryan. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do a sidebar before we get <laughs> up to this new topic. Because you, you mentioned the movies and, and whatnot. So I, I'm always curious, are there uh, misconceptions or things that you see in a movie or a TV show about weather or tornadoes, hurricanes, that are just not accurate to that or sort of common, you know, common mis- you know, mistakes or misnomers that, that writers will put into movies or shows or whatnot? I do not recommend watching Twister with a meteorologist. <laughs> Just don't okay. do it. Just say no. <laughs> we are constantly, I call out video games for what? What is that? That's not. <laughs> and movies that depict meteorologists a lot where they're, you know, the terminology will just be wild. Just don't watch Twister <laughs> with a meteorologist. <laughs> Fair enough. Ryan, what were you going to say? Uh, so, yeah, so um, you mentioned so fire weather. Um, so can you talk about that? It is such an interesting thing, and especially with what's been going on um, of late. Um, it, it, I think it definitely adds a layer of insight that I just never really considered, but it just it sounded really interesting when we kind of talked about it a little bit. I'd love to hear more. Yeah, absolutely. So fire weather is a big deal here on the West Coast. Uh, I'm watching it, especially coming into the next season because we're having some dry conditions. Uh, It's raining right now in Portland, Oregon. No surprise. But we've had a little bit of a more dry April and it gives me concerns uh, for our season ahead. Uh, It's kind of uncertainty. It's not a certain that we're going to have a crazy season. Uh, We could get some rain moved in and that's something we're really going to watch for. Uh, Fire weather is so important here on the West Coast. We have a lot of timber. Uh, We have homes near that timber and it's important to be able to track the weather that could spark fires uh where i volunteer we're kind of a a little bit of a higher order level at the local level if there's a fire firefighters will go and they can put it out if they get a lot of what we call initial attack so they have a lot of fires and things are starting to get a little more out of control or they may have significant large fires. So they're dealing with larger fires. They may need some help and some resources. And that's where we can step in and move things around to try to help them out. We can also help out other regions of the country. If, for example, Alaska is having a bad fire season, we can move resources to them. If, say, the Northwest is not doing too bad. If we are looking at the weather ahead and we see lots of cool and rainy conditions, we can move things. If we are looking hot and dry and windy, then we may try to keep our things at home because mm-hmm. we want to watch for our fire weather. We're even able to send resources to Australia who had really bad fire conditions. And as we're looking at climate change, this story is not going to, ch- it's going to become more and more important for us. It's going to be important to watch fire weather uh, with a warming climate. Uh, it's going to change where we ne- not necessarily have a fire season, but it extends further out and could even be year long. So yeah, can you maybe explain a little bit on what, why climate change, like the effect that climate change has on, on, on this, this issue and why, why it'll make things worse? Yeah, and maybe absolutely. If you, have to, if you have to give a little, uh, you know, the, the cliff notes on, on climate change and, and maybe for some of our listeners, but, but yeah, we, we, I think it's really important to understand how it does have an effect on all this. Yes, absolutely. Uh, With climate change, uh, climate change is global warming. Some people will say, why did that kind of change in naming? Um, It's still the same thing. What's important to know about warming Earth is that it impacts so many other weather types. It's a domino effect. And that's why climate change kind of encompasses all those changes so that we don't forget about things that happen because of a warming Earth. Uh, For example, tides change. Um, With warming temperatures, warm air kind of holds, holds is a a bit of a misnomer, but it holds more moisture. And that's why storm systems can dump more rain because of that warmer air. It has more moisture available to it. Uh, So it changes all these different things. You know, nothing is black and white in weather. Everything is kind of a shade of gray. Um, One thing impacts another thing. Uh, When Superstorm Sandy hit, it became a snowstorm (laughs) as it moved inland uh, and had strong impacts. 
So, you know, it's not just one thing, it's always several things. And that's what's important about climate change is that it has so many impacts. It's impacting um, sunny day flooding at coastal places where the tides are coming in and flooding, uh, even though it's not a rain event. And it's impacting fire weather because uh, it's increasing those ingredients that already make for a bad fire season. Uh, so droughts can be even drier and more extreme in that kind of event. Mm-hmm. So with everything going on right now, with a lot of people not being, you know, they're more home, they're not driving their cars, transportation is down, just a lot of that stuff. Have you noticed or is there a prediction to notice that that could, like, is that what was affecting global warming? Will it be slowed now? Or like just maybe just air quality? Could you speak to that a little bit? There's at least a very temporary change. Uh, For example, people are taking beautiful pictures of Los Angeles right now (laughs) that are Mm -hmm. crystal clear, and it's amazing. So we are seeing those changes happen. The worry and the concern is what happens next. Mm. Do Mm. all those things that caused uh, the pollution turn back on, and do they turn back on more? because we're trying to make up for what has happened during this Mm. event. Uh, So there's a lot of concerns. And one of that concern too, is that we're really focusing on on our biggest problems right now so that climate change and and the pollution may take a backseat to, you know, our concerns, which is totally understandable. Right. uh, But we do have to, you know, we have to plan for everything. Right. right. So I I was wondering if, um, if uh, coming out of this, let's say things get back to normal fairly soon, if maybe there was government incentives to have a work from home day where basically almost everyone who, unless you have, and there's a place where you physically have to be there, um, everything was shut down. So there was almost, it was similar to what it is now. And we did that one day a week. Would that make a, a big difference, you know, a, a positive change for, for, for the environment, for, you know, for the air, global warming? It's possible. Uh, it's the thing where uh, that was kind of a, a budget trick. Like if you're budgeting, you think there's this one day I won't spend money, but then do you end up spending money on the side days mm-hmm. beside it? Mm-hmm. Uh, so sometimes it's, it can be a little bit more of long-term changes that can have a stronger impact. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. I, so do you, you know, when, when, I guess when it comes to the climate, what you know when you know this is something that 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 is an area that you can talk about like are do you feel like we're past the point of no return or how bad is it how like if we wanted to avoid you know kind of catastrophe what would we need to do or 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 where is the kind of science on that absolutely so some things are already kind of set uh for example the ocean is a huge absorb of uh, all the, of a lot of the, the CO2 and that we're dealing with. The oceans have already taken in a lot of that, and that's going to take a really long time to mm. change and to, to move around. Uh, so that's already happened. Um, some warming is already occurring. We're seeing a lot of warming at the poles, um, and some of, we're already witnessing a lot of that as well. So some of it will happen. It's kind of a feedback as well. So it can kind of keep making itself worse to a degree. (laughs) So it's that kind of feedback as well. So we're already dealing with some of those impacts. And I mentioned like the sunny day flooding, it's already happening. Um, There are some things that certainly we go ahead and try to change policy that will help the climate change um, and will assist us. Uh, That involves a lot of lawmakers and politics, (laughs) for example, Uh, that can that's really one of the front lines to changing climate uh, to assisting with global warming and things like that is that kind of level. Um, We can try things at home, you know, you're picking a car that has better emissions, um, you're watching your wood burning, things like that. Um, Those have some impact. Uh, They're maybe not as strong as changing policy. Policy is probably the biggest way to to help uh, with climate change. No, so sort of speaking of that, it it's a while it shouldn't be, it is a political issue, and I'm just curious that I'm not going to say who, but um, generally there are deniers of of climate change, and they will say that there are is scientific evidence that says climate change is not happening. I'm just curious, what what do they? claim that that scientific evidence is that there is that climate change does not exist so from the studies i have seen uh it is not necessarily if you tell someone and explain to them how climate change works i can do that 
<laughs> I understand how it works. Uh, I could mm. sit in a room and just uh, give that statistic. Uh, that's not the determination. Um, the determination tends to be politics. Uh, it, it's your political group. And that is probably the number one that points to where you stand. Uh, and I would uh, send you over to another scientist, uh, Catherine Hayhoe, who has done some amazing, uh, she does a lot of presentations, a lot of work putting together that study information. Uh, she's a really excellent resource and I follow her and really enjoy listening to her information. Uh, and she's doing, she does some series on YouTubes as well, which is really lovely to see. Uh, so yeah, we can kind of explain how it works and it really doesn't matter. Yeah. Now, do you find, so... I guess that's kind of part of my next question. I find that in general, science literacy is is not very high um, in this country, but I guess it's more, it's not even a science literacy thing. It's really just political. Like even if you are scientifically that's literate, it sounds like you're saying you're yeah, still exactly. going to find a way to, 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 to be on your, if, if whatever your side is and it's going to, you're going to, but that's something we do as meteorologists. That's important. We try to make sure that our forecast and the information we give is very clear. You yeah. know, uh, not everyone can find their location on a map. So we want to make sure that we're describing dangers and things like that uh, to health and weather so, and, and property as well, so that it's best understood. Um, it's something that the National Weather Service has been working toward a lot lately, making sure our message is understood. We've brought in a lot of social scientists so that, you know, it's not just us weather nerds talking together back and forth. It is making sure that our message gets received by someone, you know, not everyone understands the meteorological terms and we want to make sure that we're clear so that we're giving that threat and explaining those impacts. That's something uh, forecasters are working toward. So I guess we won't, we can probably spend a whole episode talking about it. So I won't ask too much, but are you, are you optimistic that there's a way to get through to people because, uh, you know, because I feel like it's, it, you know, and we've been seeing it kind of with the COVID-19 um, epidemic that, you know, for a lot of people, if they don't see it, if it's not happening to them, they they tend to not care about it until, it, but but especially with climate change, it seems like it's one of those things that it, it will be a ca- catastrophic and then it'll be too late for us to really do anything about it. So is, do you, is, are you optimistic that there's a way to get to people before it's too late? Um, and uh, yeah, I guess if not, then... It, well, yeah, I don't know. I guess just, yeah, are you optimistic that there's a way to get through to people? We'll certainly try. Um, and that's actually part of, of, you know, as a meteorologist, we're not always climatologists. <laughs> but meteorologists, when you turn on your TV and watch that meteorologist at six o'clock or whatever time it is, you may have some trust in them because there's someone you see constantly. Uh, and it's, you just understand the, their message to you. And so that's some of the reason that we've been doing a little bit of that climate science in some meteorology segments uh, so that you're able to kind of understand yourself to make sure that you get it. Um, And it's trusted sources. That's the most important. And as we were talking about forecasting and how some forecasts can be, you know, really challenging, uh, it's turning to a trusted source. And that's even has to do with your app because people look at weather apps a lot uh, every day, every morning. (laughs) And the question is, what is your app saying? You know, where's your app getting its forecast data from? Is it grabbing it from raw data from a model? Is someone interpreting that data for you to make it more accurate? Are they using National Blend of Models or something else? Um, what does your app, where does that data come from? And it doesn't really tell you. You really have a hard time. You can't necessarily look through your app and say, where is this coming from? And that's why we turn to the National Weather Service a lot. Those are offices that are local with meteorologists that are looking at all the elements in that region. Mm. So they can give those warnings, watches, and alerts that can help keep you safe. So I have a left field question. Every year around, um, uh, you know, May, I want to say September, you'll hear, you know, you hear a number of people at some dif- different points saying, well, the Farmer's Almanac says that the weather is going to be miserable. You know, this winter is going to be terrible or it's going to be great. So I guess my question is, is there any validity to it? <laughs> and um, how do they how do they determine that the weather is going to be, you know, it, like it, this is supposed to be a miserable winter. And it was, this is probably one of the best winters we've, we've ever had. Um, but yeah, just always curious about that. Whenever I hear the Farmer's Almanac, I'm like, it can't be true. But yeah. You're right. It is not true. (laughs) Do not farmer's almanac. (laughs) If you want to look at a more of a long-term, we have in NOAA, there is something in the United States here. We have something called the CPC. It's the Climate Prediction Center. And they give forecasts for a month, two months, three months out. Uh, They're an excellent resource. Their forecast, they're doing the best they can for sure. 
it's a challenge to forecast that for that far out. Let me also mention that climate models that we're using in climate change are very different from forecast models. There are very different parameters that are going in, very different scale. Uh, so you may go, hey, the weather models aren't great for seven to 10 days out. How can a climate model be good for years in advance? It's very different modeling. Also very different modeling for COVID-19. Uh, we're looking at modeling people. <laughs> And that is very different than the calculations of the physics of weather. <laughs> so modeling is is a general term that has a lot of different things going into it. Um, I was going to ask a couple things, um, kind of maybe just how weather affects kind of your day to day. Uh, so, some people I know, like one of my clients and, and Ryan, you said earlier, I didn't even know. Apparently Ryan has asthma. I didn't know that. I've known for, for, for a few years now. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, one thing my client will usually say to me is like, she'll look at the air, the air, um, the air quality that day. And then, you know, normally if she would have went for a run, she chooses to do her workout inside. So I think also to everyone, asthma affects them differently. Um, so even that, and then even my dad will say like, oh, it's going to rain and I have arthritis in my knee. Like how much validity is that? And like, what should we be looking for, for those people who do have those conditions? Sure, absolutely. It is important to look at your daily forecast, uh, to look at those things that impact you, and to look at if there is a threat of weather, weather that needs to be alerted, uh, such as a warning, an advisory, or a watch. Uh, those are some things to look at every day. Um, there's several parameters to look at. You may want to look at depending on if, we, if you're dealing with arthritis or if you're dealing with asthma. Uh, air quality is really important. There's a lot of air quality uh, uh, organizations across the United States that report air quality for the day and for a little bit into the future. And uh, that's really important if you have respiratory problems. And mm. air quality can be smoke, uh, can be particulate matter. Uh, you're also dealing with things like pollen. So if you have allergies, it's something important to monitor for your day ahead so that when you're outside, or even if you're outside for just a little bit and then you go inside, that you're aware of what's going on with that. Uh, as far as alerts and advisories, the National Weather Service puts out uh, advisories uh, and watches and warnings so that you will stay protected. And it starts with the headline, but moves into more details. So if you look at your alert, if you say, oh, I have a severe thunderstorm watch, what does this mean? There'll be more details in the watch that tell you what kind of weather to expect, what kind of timing to expect mm. as well, and what kind of actions you might need to take to keep yourself safe, to keep property safe, and to keep uh, everyone aware of that weather going on. Mm -hmm. so, so there's some of the daily things that you want to look at, air quality, what kind of alert advisory is going on uh, as well. So uh, another off the, uh, you know, off the wall question. Um, people say that animals, birds, dogs can predict the weather, right? Like if there's going to be some sort of hurricane like birds will fly somewhere else. like is have uh, have you ever been asked this before and uh, do we know if there is any truth to it <laughs> not the groundhog the groundhog's wrong <laughs> 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 calling okay. out that rodent right now <laughs> so not the groundhog uh okay. my wife's tale is about uh cows so if a certain number of cows are laying down, it's going to rain. If a certain number of cows are standing up, it's going to be sunny. Or sometimes uh, they they face away from the wind, so you can tell the wind direction by which way a cow is facing. Right. Things like that. Some of it certainly has the, uh, truth into it. Uh, you know, nature is going to be connected to nature as well. So some of it has truth. Not the groundhog. Groundhog's wrong. Okay. <laughs> What, um, what are some of the true ones? Like, which are some of the situations where where animals do have kind of a good a connection to the weather that maybe we don't we you know we don't we're not equipped with the you know sensory mechanisms for it. So you're crickets? not equipped with sensory me mechanisms. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <Think> for yourself. <laughs> me, natural. Uh, crickets measure temperature. So the speed a cricket is chirping measures temperature. Uh, ah. It's You can calculate it. <laughs> oh, wow. So that's one wow. example. Uh, well, that makes sense. I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong, but in the summer, you, there's a lot more crickets because it's probably hotter. Is that why? And they the do. And they'll, they'll crick faster if it's temperature yeah. warmer. Yeah. Oh, that is so interesting. So I love fun a, facts. <laughs> there's an equation for it. 
Wow. That's it's funny now. Wait, it makes can sense we, like we when, can we predict this equation? I want to know. Can I I want to pretend that I am <laughs> a meteorologist and I'm going to tell my family what the temperature <laughs> is going to be tomorrow based off of cricket noises. Sure, absolutely. And I mean, <laughs> you've you've heard the old uh red sky in the morning sailors take warning, red sky at night sailors delight. Um that's truthful because uh it has to do where the sun is setting and where the sun is rising and weather typically moves kind of from west to east. Um when weather is moving the other way from the east it's usually bad news. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. East wind, an east wind waits for no man. They say uh, it's usually bad news when it's coming from the other direction. Uh, it's like a hurricane coming from the other direction, that kind of deal. Wow. Yeah, I used to have I had I've had reptiles over the years and the crickets, and it kind of makes sense now the the yeah. amount of chirp because one of them had like a tank that like would need to be on one end of the tank was like up to 110 degrees, and they they would chirp a lot, and it was really annoying keeping I crickets hate in that reptiles. in that situation. Oh God, now I'm I'm thinking about them. (laughs) They're cold-blooded. So things like heat index, when you talk about heat index, um, they're not affected. Heat index is actually only virtual. It's not actually measured. It's only calculated. So there's no heat index thermometer. It just measures the temperature, measures the moisture, and it's calculated uh, based on what we think a person with warm blood uh, would respond to those kinds of conditions. Um, heat index is really important, though, because you can have extreme heat indexes, and that's really important to your health. Uh, if you're trying to run in that, um, that's really dangerous. If your gym is, I don't know, a few feet underground, and it's really warm in there in the summer, <laughs> and you're taking Ryan's class, <laughs> and you're going to die anyway, uh, you're really thinking about that and what you're wearing and things like that. Is also, when you walk outside and it still feels pretty miserable, you're thinking about your hydration and things like that as well. So actually, you know, the, you know, the, the, the point. we haven't, um, it's been yeah. so interesting just talking about weather. We haven't talked much about weather related to exercise. What, um, I guess, what tips are there for, for people that are looking to exercise, whether in, you know, outdoors, you, you think more weather related, but you do have situations. Yeah. Like, like, uh, you know, in, indoor in a basement with bad circulation. So yeah, if you can give us some tips on, on exercising, um, and, you know, and, and maybe if you're working out outdoors, what things you do want to be aware of when it comes to the weather. Yes, things to look for. Uh, and for example, my gym here is kind of more of a warehouse. So the whatever the temperature is outside is very influenced inside, uh, which is kind of nice because in the summer, I'm able to work out in a warm environment, kind of gets me ready for being outside in the summer. And in the cold, uh, kind of I'm working out in some colder temperatures. So it's helping me there as well. Uh, I kind of enjoy it. Um, things to look out for, you know, we mentioned um, advisories. There's heat advisories and excessive heat warnings. There's also for cold. There's those kinds of alerts and advisories for cold as well. So those are important, uh, whether you're trying to be outside or even just temporarily outside or in a building that's really influenced by the outside. Uh, Moisture is really important as well. Uh, You can feel that muggy temperature and you want to know whether you're going outside and it's going to feel okay or if it's going to be kind of a miserable muggy humidity. Relative humidity is relative. It's relative to the temperature and some other things. It's not necessarily a measure of moisture. So if it's cold outside, you can have a high relative humidity because relative to the temperature, that's a lot of moisture. But it's not really, you don't walk outside and go, oh, it's muggy out here and it feels uncomfortable. Uh, A better measure is dew point temperature. Hmm. Dew point temperature is a temperature by itself, just temperature. It's not relative to anything. Uh, And I'm going to speak in Fahrenheit. I realize you guys have some international listeners, uh, but I'm going to stick with Fahrenheit for my description. Uh, When you look at things like the dew point, when it starts moving into the 50s, for example, it's starting to feel pretty uncomfortable outside. It's, It's getting closer. By the time you're in the 60s, that is definitely humid and uncomfortable. Uh, you'll have dew points also reaching the 70s. Uh, that's what my grandma would say, the air feels close. That is air you can wear. <laughs> it is that level of discomfort. So looking at the dew point for your day can be a really good measure of your discomfort that you might feel outside or if that air is making its way inside, what it'll feel like there as well. So dew point is a, an excellent measure uh, as well as looking at those alerts so that you're staying safe looking at those temperature extremes from heat index or wind chill. Keep in mind things like heat index and wind chill, because they are virtual, they're only affecting human beings, like warm-blooded human beings. Hmm. They don't affect your car. So heat index is not a measure on your car. Or wind chill is not a measure on like the pipes of your house, if you're looking for you know freezing and that kind of thing. It only impacts you. Hmm. All right. Interesting. Is there a difference in like how someone would hydrate in like a 
do you, I don't know if you know this part. I'm, I'm curious, like if it's like a super muggy day and they decide to go for a run anyway, or even a really, really cold day too. Um, and they decide to go for a run and they have like issues now with their lungs and stuff. I'm just wondering if there's any sort of changes someone should implement during those times. Sure. Absolutely. Especially with the heat, because it's affecting how you sweat. Mm-hmm. So it's changing how you feel your sweat. Uh, mm-hmm. For example, uh, I went to, uh, it's, it's Mesa Verde in, Cal- in uh, Colorado, a uh, fantastic place, very dry. So my sweat would evaporate quicker, which was nice. It helped to keep me cooler, but I would not realize that I was getting hot because right. I didn't have that usual level of sweat. So I thought, oh, I'm doing okay. And I didn't hydrate as much as maybe I needed to right. because I thought, well, I'm not sweating. But it turns out it was a different kind of climate. And so I was, my sweat was reacting differently. And that's actually how heat index is measured. It's a measure of moisture and it's a measure of temperature. Uh, and um, I'd say measured, it's calculated is what I should say. Uh, the heat will evaporate the sweat off your skin and you feel a little cooler. If there's a lot of moisture, there's not as much evaporation. So that sweat stays on your skin and you don't get the cooling effects. And then you guys would know a little bit more about what kind of water to take in versus like a Gatorade or or uh, what additives need to be added to that water. You guys would know a little bit more about that than I would. Gotcha. Yeah. So, okay. That's, I guess my, my main point was that chances are you'll probably need to hydrate a little bit better, even though you don't feel the sweat coming off of you. So that's, yeah. Okay, cool. Thank you for clarifying. So one thing we've all, we've been discussing here in New York for a while now, and I wonder if it's climate change related or if we're just being strange, cynical New Yorkers, um, we, we say that there are, we, that we don't have seasons anymore. Basically we don't have, um, we don't have spring and, uh, we do have fall, but we, like spring is gone. It's basically winter. And then you have a few days where it's like pleasant and then boom, we're in summer. Is there any validity to that? I mean, is that a climate change thing or do we have, um, is, are we just like <laughs> being weird and say that it, it hasn't changed? It's just New Yorkers. Ah, (laughs) It's just New Yorkers. And uh, in in past, uh, you guys have really enjoyed talking about blizzard conditions. And I thought, I wish I could talk to you about blizzard conditions too. (laughs) Because a blizzard condition is a very specific definition. It's very scientific. It's Some of the terminology in meteorology is almost medical. You know, in terms of medical can mean very specific things. Same thing in meteorology. A blizzard has to have following conditions (laughs) the wind has to be gusting 35 miles per hour or frequent wind speed at least uh, frequent gusts for three hours and the visibility has to drop below a quarter of a mile so those are the terms for blizzard it is nothing to do with temperature which is interesting and also it doesn't have to be snowing from the sky it could be snow on the ground that's blowing around and causing those conditions. So a blizzard is a very specific condition. <laughs> so some people say, oh, it's a blizzard outside. And I think, no, it's nope. not. <laughs> <laughs> so, is not a blizzard. I love <laughs> so and now I, I, uh, I got flamed for saying this once. And I was actually had no clue whether or not I was saying I was just just saying it to say it. Um, is, is there any truth to the idea it's too cold to snow? Uh, so, uh, I mentioned that warmer air holds more moisture. Like it's not the right, it's not the best wording, but it basically holds more moisture. So the reverse cold air is very, tends to be dry. It holds less moisture. So it can kind of snow with any temperature if you have the moisture in there, but it is less moist. As a matter of fact, when you look at the poles, it doesn't (laughs) snow that much there. (laughs) It's cold and the snow is just already there. (laughs) They don't get tons and tons of snow. Um, They get some snow, uh, but it may not be as much as you might imagine that the poles would get. You think, oh, it's always snowing at Christmas town uh, at the North Pole, (laughs) but maybe not necessarily. Awesome. Oh, sorry. No, I just want to, I feel like we should ask this question and we don't know if you know the that answer. Was actually my, I was going to ask that. For any virus, but we have heard um, that the, okay, good. Yeah. That the coronavirus potentially um, the rate in infection might slow down in warmer weather, in warmer temperatures. Have you heard that, read about that? What could you tell us about that? I think we're not entirely sure yet. 
There's would, so yeah. much to study uh, yeah. about this virus uh, and its impacts on us. So we're not entirely sure yet. Some other things um, do change with the temperatures uh, and some other viruses do have that impact. You know, flu kind of changes and also contagion can change a little bit as well. Uh, just because, you know, in cold weather, we're all inside and near each other. <laughs> we're not social distancing in cold weather. Uh, we're right. packed in the subway and near each other. And, <laughs> and you pick the middle seat because if two people beside you are warm, or at least I used to uh, when I lived in New York. Uh, so we're not sure yet. Um, some studies are definitely, I mean, everyone's working toward this information. Uh, so I've, I've seen kind of, of, of differing information coming out so far. I don't think we're quite sure yet. Uh, I think we still need to kind of prepare. So when, um, when we started, you mentioned one. you could talk, you love mm-hmm. talking about, um, was it radar? Okay. I, I just, just am interested. Like I have no, no other interest except that you sounded yes. really interested about it. So yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> radar is amazing. Uh, it's just, and I love, I love uh, technology. Little, like as meteorologists did, I just got a new tiny little camera uh, like a, a little camera that I have pointing out my window and I just love it. Uh, I'm going to spend all my next several days making time lapses of whatever cloud comes over Portland <laughs> because I love that technology. And radar is an amazing technology. Uh, you'll see those domes out there. It's this big dome that sends a signal out that bounces off uh, some kind of water particle and then jumps back to the dome. Uh, it does all kinds of more things now because we have dual pole. So it can jump out there and tell what kind of little droplet it is. Um, for example, it can actually look at debris that's being put up in the air by a tornado. So that's a really interesting <laughs> development with radar. So it sends wow. a little particle out and then comes back. Uh, it does the same thing with birds and index and insects. Uh, it can go out and detect the little, the little water inside a bird. It just decides it's a water droplet and come back. So we'll see these birds leaving their nest in the morning in these big concentric circles and radar will detect it. So it's really cool like that. Uh, There's also really interesting things about the radar beam. So it can go out and hit a mountain and then bring the signal back. It can actually get bent around as it moves. Uh, And you'll have a situation uh, growing up in North Carolina, this was a big deal for us, where it's snowing in the upper atmosphere, but it hasn't reached the ground yet. And so you can witness this on the on a radar. Uh, as it starts snowing, it kind of cools as it evaporative cools, just like sweat. And so that snow level can get lower and lower. And then finally, it's snowing on the ground. So you'll see this phenomenon on radars because the beam points up as you go further out. So it'll kind of look like a donut closing in of the snow. <laughs> and once it closes in, you know it's snowing on the ground and school's canceled. <laughs> so radar is an amazing tool. Uh, we have a lot of them across uh, the United States that help to, to detect weather for us. Uh, not all of the United States is covered. A lot of it is covered, though. Interesting. This has been so great. Yeah, this yeah. is such a fun, different yeah, episode. <laughs> I love it. Oh, cool. Who and knew that it, talking yeah. about the weather could be so exciting? <laughs> Other health is so related. There's so many things that are connected to that, which is why I really wanted to come and talk to you guys. Yeah, no, for sure. And this is kind of like a sidebar, but I mean, it's related, but not so much. But I have a lot of people have been telling me and I know myself, even when I started working from home before this all happened, I've always worked from home and um, the darker days like they really impact someone's your mental health just your mood you know um so i think this is important just to to even if some maybe people haven't even been checking the weather because they figure they're not going out maybe they maybe they should you know pay attention a little bit more and just assess how it makes you feel each day <laughs> yeah and looking out your window um people yeah. are sitting a little closer to a window maybe now than they used to a lot mm-hmm. of weather offices don't have windows uh, and people think, why don't you have a window in your weather office? And that's because if there is severe weather, such as a tornado coming through, <laughs> and you need to get away from the windows, you don't want to abandon your weather office. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So, wow. so Sherry, are, are, um, is there any place where we can find you if you want, would like to uh, you have social media plays? Like if, you want, if you want people to find you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm on the Twitter. Uh, I have a lot of weather on my Twitter. Um, my handle is WX Sherry. So it's WX. WX is kind of a short for weather. So WX and then my Sherry is S-H-E-R-R-I. Uh, I do a lot of weather there. I do a little bit of a weekly blog. It's not terrific. Uh, it's just a little national look at the weather. And what I try to do on that blog is link 
to the websites so that you can see, you know, not just a little line about the weather, but actually see where it comes from. So you can kind of add those links to your repertoire of the weather forecast uh, and learn more from that as well. So that's something I do as well. Uh, and that's we, linked on Twitter as well. You? Oh, that's okay. Great. I, I post them on the Twitter so you can see them on the Twitter. Weather Twitter is an incredible resource of a lot of meteorologists. Meteorology is a team sport for sure. Uh, so we're able to come together and share a lot of information on Twitter. Uh, it has changed uh, the landscape of weather that we're able to share that information, get those pictures, get those videos, weather spotters, things like that. Uh, weather Twitter is pretty amazing. Has anyone used the name uh, Twether yet? <laughs> Twether? I'm not sure yet. Uh, take, I, that's a good idea, right? I used to, um, um, when I worked at NBC, they would call the weather office and I would always respond with weather, this is Sherry. And so I started introducing myself <laughs> to people around the office. You know, maybe a correspondent comes in from another. So did, have say, you, Hi, you, ever, weather, this you is must Sherry. have met Al Roker then, right? <laughs> a, um, yeah. So it's funny. I, it's, he's like the one I celebrity. I, 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 many I probably <laughs> seen him Aww, so fun. 10 times just riding his bike around New York. Like literally I've seen him. Yeah, like at least 10 times, on, but it's always on a bike riding somewhere in New York. And like, I can't, I, probably at least four or five, I've been with my wife. I'm like, look, that's Al Roker while I'm riding by again. Yeah. Well, he is amazingly accessible. Oh. <laughs> um, and I think you held pad, tie pads for me one time. And I was like, let me tell you about Al Roker. <laughs> well, you know, and we had we a whole discussion about it. We're going to have to get you back on. To, to give us the dirt of, of uh, what happens on news networks, right? That's, <laughs> well, that's the, the, good the great stuff story right is without records. No, the, the funniest, I, okay. I, the, it's, uh, I think about this, like the funniest awesome. thing from my childhood was there was an episode of Conan O'Brien that I remember Al Roker was on where he was like, I don't know, he was like, yeah, I was getting tic tacs. It was in his bigger face too. He hadn't had the surgery yet, and he like fell. And I, I don't know why, but my brother and I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. And like I read a VCR, it was like VCR at that time, and just watched it over and over and over. And I don't know why, but it's just like the the funniest thing I can remember from my childhood. He's incredibly <laughs> witty and hilarious, and he sings wow. the entire Animaniacs theme to me. Um, <laughs> and I did um, I did Rogerthon with him, so I was on a fourteen hour mm -hmm. shift, ten hour shift. It was a long shift. Uh, running his computer. And so he would constantly say, Sherry, and then <laughs> move something around for him. Even after I left, he kept saying, Sherry, and whoever was filling in for me just kept <laughs> making cool. the changes for cool. his uh, weather computer. Awesome. Well, Sherry, thank you so much. You are amazing. You know, we really appreciate you coming on the Jim Wits. Thank you. And I really, I've wanted to do this for yeah. I guess more than a year at this point. I really no, no, wanted great. to Thank like yeah, reach out. I, you know, so I knew you I'm really glad were I had the involved in, in science because you'd wear all kinds of cool shirts. That, and, but I didn't know for whatever reason. I didn't know you were um, you know a meteorologist until <laughs> until recently. So it's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. So Ryan's uh, petting petting uh, his dog now, who looks very happy. She, yeah, but she might bite in any second. She get another photo. <laughs> <laughs> I finally figured out how to screenshot on a Mac with just three little. Yeah. This is how like crazy it is that I have an online business and I like <laughs> learn basic technology and get all yeah. excited. So I figured out how to do this. We're gonna do it one more time. <laughs> Wait, now the dog's not there. Which dog is this? This is the crazy one. Oh, she looks so happy. Yeah, she's okay right. She's been better. Did it. <laughs> I don't know if you guys could hear that click. <laughs> oh my gosh, she's so cute. Yeah, she's a, you know, she's a, like adorable. It's funny once you get crazy though, she like you, you can't believe how crazy she can look. But she is an adorable little dog. Like even the you know, the vet is like she's one of the, you know, like prettiest dogs she's ever seen. Yeah, I mean she has like two different like her both sides of her faces are like two different yeah, colors. Yeah, I don't know if that's just the like chocolate side here and yeah. yeah so maybe we should do a video recording so that everyone can see uh <laughs> Well it'll save yeah. it as a video. Mm -hmm. So we might have to post a little video action. <laughs> Aww. She really is so cute. It's sad because now that she's had the surgery, she's obviously better and more more well tempered. Yeah. It was just because she was in pain. Yeah. And that's like any that's a lot of things. Like when kids act out, you know, it's because there's something bothering them. Yeah. So no, so she's good. And I guess, you know, 
thankfully, because I don't know, I don't know what we we're gonna do if she, if if we couldn't get the behavior. I, I like. Aww. Yeah. So, what did you guys think of the interview? I loved it. I think it was so cool. I always love talking with people who are passionate about what they do. Yeah. I think it just it's like you like someone who genuinely loves what they do and is really really brilliant at it. You could listen to them talk all day yeah. and I could have no idea what she like <laughs> I'm sure she could have geeked out some more and I'd have no idea what she was saying, but I'd still love it. Yeah. Like I'd still think it's great cuz you she's just I just loved her energy. Yeah. It was really, no, really it's awesome. great to have that. And we learned a lot. Yeah. No, that's fun. And great to have that excitement and um you know it means we don't have to do too much work. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was you know it was great. All right. Well, as usual, you can find us at thegymwits.com. Um, we're all over the place, obviously, Spotify. Um, now, you know, we will try to get a gymwits workout type thing, but I am gonna try to get some videos up um while I have time. So we'll try to do some like exercise of the week type or day. I think people would rather stuff. just see videos of you and your dog. <laughs> you probably <laughs> she is she's adorable. Um, but yeah, you know where to find us. Uh, I'm Ryan George. I'm Justin Guild, a.k.a. Chef Sonic, reminding you that truth does not sell. And I'm Tony Marinucci, your registered dietitian, helping you get healthy one bite at a time. And we are the Gym Waste.